This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by Rufus Rudderman for first chairperson of the Lunch Council. Rufus Rudderman, going ham on lunch. Previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK, in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, my podcasting partner and partner in marriage, Rebecca. Hey, hey, party people. Can you believe this is our 17th episode? 17. Wow. It's a good number. It's a prime number. Yeah, it could be licensed to drive in basically every state in the union, I think, at this point. Right? Yeah. Our no, pop- you have to be 18 in some states now, don't you? I don't know. I just think everybody's young and driving tractors. And we're trying to park our Yaris on a one-way cobblestone street in downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> I wish. That sounds like a dream. No, but that's our friend's life. Yep, yep, that's true. So... So we are smack dab in the middle of season six. We are talking about episode 17, as this is our 17th episode, as we just went over. And we pick up right where we left off, in the middle of another dumping. Leanne, Leanne, Leanne. What a sad, beautiful life she leads. Oh, wow. That was such poetry. Yes, Mike's poetry. So, yeah, we pick up. Leanne is pissed at Mike. She is. Does she have any right to be pissed at Mike? I don't really understand why she is pissed at Mike. You know, Ian Sterling rightly begins this episode off by pointing out that this was probably a pretty easy decision for Mike. The girl who just dumped you or anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't even have a clever... uh rebuttal to that yeah i don't know why leanne is surprised but she is good for mike though yeah and leanne was just telling everybody that she couldn't stand spending another minute with him so why i wonder why he might not have picked her and when she was chewing him out at the beginning of this episode he finally just says you know what forget it and he just walks away like he doesn't even bother prolonging the argument he knows it's over and that she's been dumped from the villa So I love Leanne. Not sorry to see her go. I will say this. I am feeling sympathy for Mike. I know. For the first time watching the show. And I mean, including the last round, including this. The real sea change for me. Well, don't worry, because you're going to stop feeling that midway through this episode. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember. (laughs) It's just like, wow, I can't believe I feel actual sympathy for this guy. He saw right through it. But you know who is really upset about all of this? Shauna. Yes, because Shauna has so much skin in that game. She's the victim here, clearly. Clearly. She thinks she is somehow. Well, because she wanted Sophie to go. Yes, yes, of course she did. And now Mike, though, he wastes no time. Literally. No time at all. He begins pulling Jess. What? They keep having the same conversation over and over. Hey, Jess, I really like you. Um, okay, but why? And no, and maybe? I need to see it. Okay. And then Luke M comes over. How many times have we seen that exact conversation? 
Yeah, Mike thinks that Jess is okay with being second best to Leanne because, you know, Mike is so great. But I think he is kind of clueless on that front. Mike's making mad moves. Making mad moves. That's the best line of the episode. That's clearly the our episode title. There's nothing else better about this episode than Mike's making mad moves. Now, Jess and Shauna then begin discussing this situation and they are soon joined by Luke M. Now the girls were actually surprised that Mike immediately went after Jess. Now Luke though was not. No, he's had his eye on Mike. And of course, Mike, I believe even went up to Luke and said, Hey, I'm going after your girl, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Mike is breaking guy code. Is he not? I don't know. This whole episode just seems like a whole lot of conversations with Mike and about Mike. Yeah, I really am getting sick of Mike by later in this episode. You know who I'm not sick of? Shawnice and Luke T. I know! They're so cute! She doesn't want to kiss him because of her lipstick. And then she wants him to push. She wants him to want to kiss her that much. And he does. And she gets her lipstick all over his face. And it's darling. Yes. It's a rare bright moment in this very difficult to watch episode. Speaking of difficult to watch, the Sophie and Shauna conversation. Immediately following this, Shauna says that she would leave if Callum left the villa. That's a lie. But Shauna tells Sophie that she basically wants her to go. It'll be weird hearing you talk to someone else. Sophie has to go because Shauna doesn't love the idea of Sophie talking to another boy. All of a sudden, she cares about Connor's feelings. Yeah, I doubt it. She just wants Sophie gone. We know that. Nas, though, he will comfort Sophie. He's a good friend to her. Nas and Sophie are one of those underappreciated friendships from the last rewatch. And of course, then Nas tells the group, he tells Mike, Callum, and Rebecca that Shauna has made Sophie cry. And then Callum goes and tells Shauna that she has made Sophie cry. And I think he did it out of concern for Shauna that maybe she didn't realize. No, I think he came right at her, but I think he knew exactly what was going on. Oh, yeah. You think so? I think Callum knows completely who Shauna is, at least the part that we all saw before we knew that she was faking the whole thing. Right. I think he knows how Shauna is. And I think he went right. He did go right at her, which is something she was mad about. But he was right. She was being mean. Yeah, she just turns it right around, though. She says that Sophie needs to toughen up and then accuses Callum of liking Sophie over her. It's funny, too. A few episodes ago, we ranked Callum and Sophie together at number two. Yeah. Episode when Connor left. Right. And then the spirit of Connor was with them. So the spirit of Connor is also with Callum and Shauna and Sophie. Yes. Connor haunts the villa. Those teeth. He left behind the tooth. It's a horcrux. You see a set of teeth glowing in the night, floating through the air. That is Connor haunting the villa. Oh, I was thinking of a Cheshire cat, except <laughs> except it's Connor. I like it. And the mome rats out grave. I love it. And you're just winding me up. So then we see some dressing room action and it is time for bed. Yeah, we got some smooching. Smooching. 
Jess and Luke M. smooching. Mike's plan has backfired and he has drawn them closer together. They have nothing in common. But But they think each other are hot. Uh, Jess explains exactly why she likes Luke M. Yes. Later in this episode. So She does. So we move on to the 19th day in the villa and... Nas and Demi joking around, Sophie talking to Jess, everyone's having a good time, and then Shauna pulls Sophie. For round two. Yep. And, you know, this is, I think, an attempt at an apology. What did you think? It's genuine apology adjacent. Yeah, apology adjacent. Not quite apology. Right. It was better than I expected, But it wasn't great and it shouldn't have been necessary in the first place. This whole situation should just not have happened. And then immediately after that, we cut to Shauna talking shit about Sophie to Jess and tries to play the victim again uh, in this conversation. Shauna is just relentless. Meanwhile, Mike is also relentless. Yeah, Mike is insistent. You know, he didn't make his position clear. We have no idea that he's going after Jess at this point. It's good that he pulls Luke M again. Gosh. Yeah, Mike Mike is the king of not making his point clear. Don't forget, he led Leanne and Jess on there for a few minutes, telling them both that they were the one. And now he's not telling Luke M what he was or wasn't going to do. He just, he just told Luke M that he was going to talk to her. At no point did he say he was going to pick her. Yeah, no, but Mike says he's getting a vibe from Jess, uh, and Luke M is just getting more annoyed. Yeah. Mike doesn't think that ship has sailed, but Luke M is pretty sure that that ship has sailed. And I think all of us watching are pretty sure that that ship had sailed. But he used the same kind of language when Leanne dumped him, too. So all the times Leanne dumped him. Right. And so Luke M tries to talk it over with Luke T, and meanwhile... Mike immediately pulls Jess. Oh, man. Oh, man. And here is why she likes Luke M. There's no red flags with Luke M. He didn't pick another girl. Yeah, he's also, you know, kind of just dumb and good to look at. He's a nice fella. He's nice. Luke M, I think, is a genuinely nice fella. Or at least he was till he fell in the clutches of Of, uh, Screwy Lucy. Yeah. Jess says that she gets on better with Mike, but that Luke is just a good person, basically. So what is with Mike's sexy side dish? Because I don't really cook much. So do you understand what Mike was talking about from a home chef's perspective? I think what Mike was saying is that Luke M can be Jess's boyfriend and that he will be Jess's boyfriend. Oh, the sexy side dish. Okay, so he's the side piece. He just wants to be the side piece. Meanwhile, though, meanwhile... Meanwhile, do you remember when Shauna picked Mike as the biggest game player? Yes. I feel like she seems like a psychic now. Hashtag facts are facts. Facts are facts. Like knows like. Yes. Well, she was doing a bit of projection, but yeah, she wasn't too far off. Takes one to know one. Exactly. So we are getting into the evening portion of the show, and it's that time of the season. Awkward sex positions. So Shawnice gets in a dig at Nas, of course, during all this, because she has to, always. They can't grow that much. Uh, We see some unusual positions this year. Yeah, yeah. Shauna was listening to her ankle. She definitely got a lot closer with her ankle. 
Which position was that? I don't know. I was too distracted by the Shauna listening to her ankles joke. Yeah. I think that might have been the butter churner. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I never pay attention to the sex positions part because it's so awkward. Shauna and Callum won that one, I think. Nope. Nas and Demi. Now, Nas and Demi won the turtle and they won the candle, which are weird names. You know, actually, this is not that type of podcast. <laughs> I thought it totally was. You know, well, I would just, I was not going to, we are a married couple. They know that about us. We don't do the sex. No, we, we just don't need to get into any of the details of our I tell you what, private life. That's you, what I feel. If you give us 50 bucks a month, we'll try them all. <laughs> if you join at the, at, the tr- at the True Brits Society level for $15 per month, we will we will try these sex positions and review them. And we're not review gonna, them. We're not going to make videos. No, stop it, you perv. But no. we will review them. We will review them, and for people in the True Brits Society, so fifteen dollars per month. Why not? Oh, I said fifty. Well, but no, yeah, I'll settle for fifteen. Well, that's what it's priced at right now. Oh, oh, that's cheap. Yeah. No, me having sex and telling you about it, that's worth 50 bucks at least. Okay. All right. So we're going to raise the price. No, we're going to make its own tier. Okay. So what are we going to call this level? The big blue spiders. All right. Yeah. The big blue spider level. Yeah. You can come help us spider hunt. So Jess talks to the girls after this game, and it sounds like her head could be turned after all. You know what, girl? If there are two guys you kind of like and you really don't know which one you like more, maybe neither of them are the right one for you. Yeah. Never have I been in a position where I was into two guys and I couldn't decide and one of them was the right one for me. Mike is a creep, man. There's this little exchange where Mike, I think, pulls Jess again. Yes. And Jess says, oh, my thighs are burning. And Mike says to her, from all your antics and what does that even mean like does that mean that she's been you know working out in the gym or something like that or is he implying that she's been having a lot of sex i really don't understand the implication there and then she responds she goes no you silly from the fire and then she giggles right because she had been standing next to the fire pit i think it's a poorly aimed attempt to see if she's open for flirty banter yeah is it supposed to be some type of double entendre only if she's open to it if she's not open to it then he can very quickly just sort of move it along it could be like oh yeah from you know doing all those squats at the gym or whatever he can just laugh it off it could be like we've just pulled off a caper they never have an actual story about the caper Oh, man. It's just an entree. So I think. Wow. That is a deep cut reference to a reality show, a very problematic reality show. Yeah. I'm a little ashamed that we watch it, except it was such good TV. (laughs) It was. It was very good. And of course, Becca is talking about the pickup artist. Oh, I'm so embarrassed that we watched it. We watch things that were so problematic that, like, I won't even talk about them on this show. Yeah. We won't even get into some of the reality shows. We're sorry. It was during the writer strike. It was a dark and weird time, y'all. Yeah. Anyway, to your point that Mike is a total fucking creep, he asks her why Luke M keeps leaving her alone. 
Like, you're free to talk to as long as Luke M is not next to you. Ew. Ew. It's, it's so condescending. It's so backwards. Yeah. Although, to be fair, Luke M does know that he's on alert, alerta, and he does need to step it up a little bit. Not a lot, but just enough, you know. Jess is clearly not into Mike, although Luke T does point out. Yeah, I think I was going to say Luke T has a really good point. Yes. Do you want to expound? Well, just I think he points out that if Jess had really 100% shut Mike down all the way, would Mike really be pushing this hard? No. Yeah, I don't think he would. So Jess has, I think, left the door open a crack and Mike has been slowly opening it a little bit more during this episode. Mike is so worried about doing right by himself, though. So he just keeps saying they're right for each other, they're right for each other, they're right for each other. But he has no idea or any interest in what's right for Jess. But Luke, he gets a good talking to. Yeah, Shawnice. Yeah, Shawnice says, go get your girl, Luke. I feel like if Shawnee said that to me, I would be very energized. I wouldn't know who she was talking about, but I would want to go do it. So Luke go gets his girl and he pulls Jess away from Mike. Is Jess looking for help even? It's not clear. Or is she looking to see if anyone else is looking at her? I don't know really what is going on. Well, that changes the entire tone of the conversation. If she's looking for help, she obviously feels threatened and uncomfortable. And I can definitely see that being the case. But since she hasn't shut him down and she does kind of like him and she is telling her friends that, you know, he is more her type. Is she looking around to make sure no one is noticing them talking? Yeah, that's a a totally different conversation. Yeah, I thought it was totally unclear. I couldn't tell. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel bad for her or not. Well, Luke. He says that he's doing it out of concern for Jess, that he thinks that Mike is faking his attraction to her. I think that Mike is attracted to her, but I don't know if he is really thinking of her as, you know, his girlfriend or something. Oh, I don't know. And then Luke M tells Jess he's not mad at her, but he should be a little. And I think he is a little after Luke T planted that seed. Yeah, I would be probably. Yeah, I don't think he should be hostile to her. I don't think he's going to be hostile to her. But he probably should bring it up. But he's so quiet. And then, of course, the episode ends. The last major scene of this episode is one that has been a long time coming. We all know what's going to happen here, except Demi, I think. Of course, I am speaking of Nas and Demi and their first kiss. Fucking hell, Nas. Before they even kiss, Callum and Finn are uh, watching them. They know what's going to happen. They're hoping it's going to happen. Yeah, they know it's happening. Nas knows it's happening. No, Nas takes a minute. She asks him about sex. She's talking about needing physical affection. She's calling herself touchy-feely. Yeah. How many signals does Nas need? It's true. She is sending the signals, but she does claim to be surprised. Well, I think at that point she had given up. (laughs) (laughs) She was starting to think he didn't like her at all. Very possible. Very possible. She's definitely been into him more than he's been into her, which is even more painful to watch because it was obvious. It wasn't as obvious the first time, but it's very obvious this time. Yeah, it is. It's much more obvious on this watch that she is really into him. And he is like, here's a pretty girl. She's really nice, but I'm not feeling this. 
Yeah. You know, this is his first date. This is the first girl who's been really into him. Everybody else is really excited for him. Right. Yeah. So I feel a little bad for Nas. Because yeah. what was he supposed to do? That's a good question. Good question. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. Yes. Demi loses her cool and the episode comes to an end. All right. So that's right. You can support this podcast because we do need your support at patreon.com slash little bit leave it. Right after this episode, we are going to be going into Spoils of Love, which is our spoiler-filled after show, not limited to the sixth season. We talk about all six seasons of Love Island. It's basically an extra podcast that you get, or extra half podcast that you get with every single episode. We're going to be discussing topics like the most recent Caroline Flack documentary that came out in February 2021. You can have my review of that for free. No yeah. good. Well, well, I think we'll talk a little about it in a little more detail. Well, that's a free taste for the people. Yes. And upcoming topics also include Curtis's appearance on Stand Up and Deliver. Here's my free review. Thumbs down. We're going to be probably talking about some of Megan Barton Hansen's advice columns in Vice. Haven't read those yet, so I can't give you a review. Oh, come on. We know what it's going to be. Give them the preview. Sex positive. Give them oh. the preview. No, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't. I know you want me to do a third oh, time. Oh, come on. Jokes know, for threes. You nope, got to do threes. No, nope, I am painfully honest. Just ruined the entire sequence. Fine. That's it. I just ruined the whole podcast. You just Set ruined it the whole podcast. Set it all on fire. All right. Also, but- I want to recommend something. If you haven't watched it already, go on Instagram and follow a little bit. Leave it. That's the one thing you can do. And also look up Scott Thomas's Instagram. He does kind of a piano and lip sync with his brother. And it's the lightest, wonderfulest thing. It's very cute. It's very playful. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yes. But first, before you do any of that, patreon.com slash little bit leave it for as little as $2 a month. You get that extra bonus content with every single episode. And for $5 a month, you get all of our special episodes. You can chat with us on Discord and you get to vote on content decisions that we make. So lots and lots of stuff. Patreon.com slash little bit leave it. And you can follow me on Twitter at LBLI podcast. You can follow Beck on Twitter at LBLI peng as in peng sort because that's what she is. She's a peng sort. You can like us on Facebook. I post on there sometimes, but really the Twitter is yeah. the place to find us if you actually want to say things. We actually had one comment from a fan. Oh, yeah. Somebody actually interacted with us on Twitter and said they were excited to listen to the next episode. So let's do a quick shout out to Sitlali, I think. I am very sorry if we have mispronounced your name, but we're super happy that you actually responded Yeah, on, on Twitter. Yeah, it's always nice to actually hear from you guys and interact with you. So... Yeah, let's keep doing that. This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by, I guess, uh, is it, this one's another recording? Yeah, all you have to do is press play. Or whatever, you do. Are you sick of limp lettuce? Sick of sipping on loser soups? You ever feel like a, what? Wait, I can't say that anymore. Wait, why can't I say that? But there's nothing limp or losery about Rufus Rutterman. I'm the owner of Peter Pecker Foods and the genius that brought you Big Johnson Mega Meat Sausages. 
Who else but Peter Becker could come up with pork sausages wrapped in bacon stuffed with hot, spicy beef? They come in a variety of lengths and girths, making them the perfect lunch food for all ages. Slap your meat on one of our sweet buns. Slather on some of our crema sausage sausage sauce and go to town. If you vote for me to be the first chairperson of the lunch council, I will do my damnedest to ensure that every lunch is fit for a king and loaded with fresh American meat. Vegetables are bullshit. We're not rabbits. That's science, bro. You deserve meat in your mouth, and I'm gonna put it there. Together, we'll go ham on lunch. Rufus Rutterman, first chairperson of lunch council. Let's go ham on lunch. Peter Packer Foods is a proud sponsor of the Lunch Council. I'm Rufus Rutterman. Of course I approve this message. I just said it. Okay, uh, well... That was an adventure. I suddenly feel hungry. Do we have any hot dogs? I guess that ad was not totally unexpected given that we had that other campaign ad a few episodes ago. You expected that? No, I didn't. <laughs> you saw that coming? You thought, gee, who is the sponsor today? And you were like, some crazed raccoon of a human with a lot of meaty dick jokes. They were jokes, right? I mean, I assume that was all jokes. Yeah, I, I'm i assuming. I, I've never heard of that sausage stuff. We should get that cream of sausage sausage <laughs> sauce. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah, I don't even want to know. Yeah, it's like ranch dressing with sausage in it. <laughs> ranch dressing with sausage chunks. Yum. Yum. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you know, it could be beaten in to the actual mix itself, and then you got your creamy sausage sausage sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. ITV, if you have a food line, call me. So I think... In honor of Leanne, our deep dive today will go into her hometown. We are? Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Let's go. Do we need to take a train or? Leanne is from the very north, northeast part of London, of greater metropolitan London, from a part called Waltham Forest. She calls herself the Beyonce of Waltham Forest. So it's not clear if she's being purely self-deprecating or maybe Waltham Forest is one of the last places that you'd expect Beyonce or someone that glamorous to be from. She's probably also the prettiest girl in town. Very possible. Very possibly. Maybe that's what it actually means. But anyway, given we've already done exploration into Cornwall and different places in Wales and Bristol, I thought it only made sense to become a bit more familiar with the most important part of the UK, Metropolitan London. Woo. And, you know, I also thought this would be good preparation for our eventual deep dive into Romford. Romford! Romford. How far out are we? So we're basically zone three on the tube, and I think the very, very last stop might be zone four. But it's pretty far out. Like Waltham Forest, north of Waltham Forest, is an actual forest. Cool. Well, at least it's not false advertising. Yes. And that actually, the northern part, that is where Leanne is from. 
So London is obviously the beating heart of the UK and had been the primary financial center of Europe before Brexit. We'll see what happens. It's where English culture had long been centered, even if many of the most popular names migrated there to get famous. It's still where more immigrants go to start their new lives than elsewhere in England. It's there New York and Los Angeles rolled into one if we wanted to compare it to U.S. cities. And London is also enormous. You've been there. I have been there. I've been there twice. And we have not yet been there together. No. I mean, London's nice and all. It just wasn't my favorite city that I've ever been to. Yeah, I'd like to go back. I've only been once. I was in college. If I end up in London, I'll be totally happy to end up there. But if I'm making a travel destination, it's not London. One thing I do remember is the scale is just really overwhelming. Yes. You know, it's like the entire New York metro area being one city. Yeah, no boroughs. Not in the same way. Not, no boroughs as distinct landmasses. Yeah. I mean, they have their boroughs, obviously. That's what I'm saying. Walton Forest is not, a borough. Yeah. They're not distinct landmasses. Right. So this, this giant area, Greater London, was created in 1965. And before it was part of London, it was three independent boroughs, Leighton, Walthamstow, and Chingford. And before 1965, it was actually part of Essex. Oh, Essex. Yes. So Love Island's favorite neighborhood. Yeah, and Romford is also Romford. Romford is in the same boat. It's also historically Essex, but now part of Greater Metropolitan London. So with a bit of sleuthing, I did figure out that Leanne is from Chingford, all the way on the northern edge of Waltham Forest. Are you stalking Leanne? Well, I found a two thousand six article. I really uh just used google but i had to do some creative searching to find this article and it's from the east london and west essex guardian and it's about the retirement of a primary school office manager named rosemary kane and the article has a small little photo and in that photo is eight-year-old leanne and she looks exactly the same she looks really cute chingford is pretty interesting actually the name likely comes from Old English and means King's Fort. So some people will tell you that it's named after the nearby River Ching, but historians now think that's actually backwards, that the river was named after the town, which Ooh. is kind of yeah, the opposite of how it normally goes. Drama. And there's evidence that King Harold Harefoot, <laughs> yeah, that was a real English king way back in the 11th century, he lived here. And that there is still a royal hunting lodge that dates back to 1543. It was built for Henry VIII, and it is in Chingford. Are there any heads in there? Like heads in jars? I don't know. That would be dope. I don't know. But the lodge is basically at the very, very north end of Chingford, right at the edge of that big forest, this royal forest. And even older than that is this church called All Saints Church. Parts of that date back to the 12th century. So do the new saints come in? Because it I, says All Saints. So is that false advertising? I don't know. I is don't it, know how that works. Is it only the local saints and then like all the saints go to their own local All Saints church? Or is it like we pray to all y'all? Like we're not going to play favorites? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think they pray to all of the saints. Because, you know, we live in Staten Island where there's hella Catholic churches and so we got St. Joseph and St. Thomas. We got St. Christopher's. We got St. Rita's. We got St. Charles, St. Clair, St. Rock's. I think St. Rock's might have just closed. We got a hell of Catholic school. St. Rock's? Like R-O-C-K? Like The Rock? <laughs> yes. R-O-C-H. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, we got a hell of churches here. 
And that's not even all of them. Like, there are so many. So there are some you know, interesting stories about this church. But rather than get into the story of the rector who was removed for swearing and gambling, but then later reinstated when people missed all of the swearing and gambling. Nice. Let's look across the street to the Chingford Mount Cemetery. Wait, no, I want to talk about the rector. <laughs> well, I, there's not a lot about the rector. It's, that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> Oh, but buried in that cemetery are two particularly colorful characters from London's history, Ronnie and Reggie Cray. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yeah, they are Cray, twin brothers who headed up a gang called The Firm and they terrorized the East End of London and later London more generally in the 1950s and 1960s. Huh. From what I can tell, the Cray brothers were standard-issue juvenile delinquents when they were kids. They weren't that bad. But they weren't that good. They weren't that good. They were amateur boxers, and then they were drafted into the army, but they really did not appreciate that. See, kids, eat your mayonnaise, become a professional boxer, don't get drafted. Well, I don't know if that would have spared them, but... I think you had to serve. I don't know if it was mandatory, but they went AWOL a number of times. Did they set sail? No, they did not set sail. And they were eventually court-martialed for assaulting a sergeant who tried to bring them back to the barracks, among other crimes they committed while they were in the army. They were arrested, and they were actually among the last prisoners to be held at the Tower of London. Really? Yeah. That's a claim to fame. So they were there for a few weeks before it closed for good. They were dishonorably discharged from the military, and that, combined with their criminal records, made them ineligible to continue boxing. So they became full-time criminals now. Well, it's a living. They got control over a pool hall somehow, a snooker bar, since we're in England. (laughs) That sounds so much less threatening. I know. Snooker. And that snooker bar became their base of operations. Snooker? I damn near rector. I told you, I don't know anything else about the rector. I know, but I've been looking for a rector joke this whole time. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm glad you found it. It wasn't great. There might be more. So they continued to gain more power, working for a major crime boss from Liverpool, and then they bought more bars and nightclubs in the East End. They eventually bought, at a heavily discounted price, I imagine, a West End nightclub that had been owned by a major real estate player named Peter Rockman. And we will have to get to him in a different deep dive at some point because he is really interesting himself. Is he cray? He is also a bit cray. Awesome. And not a good guy. No. These guys are not good guys also. I wasn't cheering for any of them, frankly. These are all bad guys. I'm still cheering for Leanne. Are Are we still cheering for Leanne? This is still about Leanne, right? Tangentially. Oh, okay. As long as it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 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 We haven't even gotten to the good parts yet. All right, giddy up. Let's do it. Okay. So now these guys were in the West End, and the West End is the more glamorous part of London where the theaters are, where the music scene was, and their new nightclub and their natural charisma, apparently, helped them become minor celebrities. And here is where it gets good and why it also kind of relates to the world we live in today. What year are we in? They were about in like 19... 1958, 1959, something like that. And if you're here for totally pure escapism, you could skip the next 60 seconds because what happens next is that the craze become intertwined not just with celebrities like Frank Sinatra, 
Not surprising. Well, if there's somebody up to no good, Sinatra's there to help you out and sing a tune. Yep, and Judy Garland uh, was also friends with them. She did not make good friends. And But not just celebrities. They became associated with a lot of bankers and major politicians and other real estate players. And these politicians were in both the both the conservative party and the labor party and they're in the house of commons and the house of lords they really managed to have their tentacles corrupting a lot of different things so they're kind of like the beginning of this phenomenon that just gets more and more sophisticated and defines corruption and politics for a lot of the western world over the next 60 years and continuing to today their crimes got a pass their glamorous lifestyle and photos with actors and musicians overshadowed the violence and extortion that they had been known for their relationships with corrupt politicians on top of that yeah it sounds like the mob yeah i mean and they had this reputation for violence so that prevented any kind of negative coverage in the press yeah so i mean they are they're organized crime and they had managed to corrupt a lot of politicians and the network that they helped cement, you know, we, we can see today a lot of equivalents to those, right? In Deutsche Bank, right? Um, certain law firms. Uh, Trump. Jones Day, Kirkland Ellis. Obviously, yeah, Donald Trump. He's just like kind of a modern day Peter Rockman. Ooh. Yeah. Politicians like Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson Ooh. in the UK, right? Ron Johnson, Ron DeSantis in the US. Basically every Ron in the US except Swanson. Yeah. These are the corrupt politicians. They're the modern day versions of Lord Boothby and Tom Dryberg, who were these guys that the craze were associated with. Well, you know, there's a reason the kid said, my name is River Garbage and I work for the government. That's right. So, and I forgot to mention this. So those politicians, the reason that they are kind of also all caught up in this, Ronnie Cray is probably gay. He was married at one point. At one point he said he was bisexual. And then at the end of his life, he did say that he was gay. Oh, he felt like he had to leave his true self. Well, it, it was kind of known at the time. He had a relationship with Lord Robert John Graham Boothby, Lord Boothby, this conservative politician, and possibly also Tom Dryberg, who was a Labor Party parliament member from, I don't know from where, but he was a Labor Party politician in the House of Commons. And it was written up kind of vaguely in a gossip column in a newspaper, and it didn't even mention anyone's names, but it was enough for the craze to threaten violence, and the newspaper paid Boothby 40,000 pounds in a settlement to prevent a lawsuit. Wow. Yeah. So that stopped all other papers from pursuing those rumors. But Channel 4 did produce a documentary about this in 2009. Really? Yep. Oh, we got lots to talk about Channel yeah. 4 documentaries. Well, there are actually multiple movies made about the craze. Well, I guess I know what we're doing this weekend. Yep. Eventually, the craze brazenness led to their downfall. Uh, they broke a high-profile prisoner out of jail, but they didn't realize that he was too mentally ill to hide out. <laughs> so they ended up having to kill him. <laughs> Whoops. And then a rival gangster killed their cousin. So Ronnie Cray shot him in public in a pub with Holy lots shit. of witnesses. Holy shit. Reggie killed an assassin who worked for them who failed to kill someone that he'd promised to kill. I guess he only hurt the guy. But Reggie did it in front of a lot of the other contractors in their criminal organization 
So it destroyed the trust that a lot of them had in the craze. Scotland Yard eventually came calling in 1968 and the Cray brothers tried to get some of their captains and lieutenants to take the fall for a few murders. And instead, their associates decided to cooperate with the police. And the Cray brothers were convicted and sentenced to life in prison without parole. Bada bing. But that did not stop them from continuing their grift. Oh, really? <laughs> nope. While they were in prison, the brothers released a joint autobiography. And then each of them released their own individual autobiographies. Wow. Did those actually make money? Were oh, those big successes? They were so successful that Reggie wrote a second solo autobiography released 10 years after the first volume. Oh, what is wrong with people? And Never even mind. Their third brother, Charlie, who was also a criminal, but not quite as renowned as them, but you know worked for them. The third Cray. The third Cray. Fredo. He also wrote an autobiography himself and got in on the action. So yeah, these guys all wrote multiple best-selling autobiographies. Was he Fredo, though? I need to know. Uh, not clear. So Charlie actually was, he was only sentenced to 10 years. And when he got out, he and the two brothers who were still imprisoned started a private security service called Crayley Enterprises. And guess who was among their clients? Farage. No, Frank Sinatra. Oh, of course. I yeah. guess it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be like 1978 or something Well, he was like born... Yes, this is true. <laughs> Nigel Farage was born. He was probably a grown-up. <laughs> He's a 25-year-old guy or something. So I might get in trouble for saying this, but the more I learn about Frank Sinatra, the more I think that he's just a giant piece of shit. I'm sorry. I don't I think have... you have to apologize. Yeah, I know. But if the word gets around Staten Island, I think I'll be in big trouble. Uh, you like Tony Bennett. You like Neil Sadaka. You're a nice Jewish boy. It's true. We're getting a little off topic here. So... Charlie eventually got back in prison for smuggling cocaine, and he would die there in the year 2000. Ronnie was transferred from a prison to a psychiatric hospital in 1985 due to his schizophrenia, and he would die there in 1995 after suffering a heart attack. Reggie was allowed out of prison for the final weeks of his life out of compassion, and he died of cancer in October 2000. Unbelievably, yet very believably, there was a long-running campaign to free them from prison, sometimes supported even by celebrities. Thankfully, it did not succeed. Frank Sinatra? I don't know. I think it was mostly certain English celebrities. Francis Sinatra. Yeah. So it did not succeed, but it did get a 1990 film produced that really glamorized the Cray twins, and that movie stars the two brothers from Spandau Ballet. Really? Yes. And then 25 years later, Tom Hardy played both brothers in the film Legend. What? Yeah. I that's recent, and that's an actor I've heard of. Yeah. So I don't know how much that movie glorifies the Cray brothers. If you go ahead and watch it, let us know. It's not supposed to be very good. Tom Hardy is supposed to be a good actor in it, but the movie itself is not supposed to hang that well together. So I guess I could have also mentioned that Chingford is the home of David Beckham and Harry Kane, who are basically the only two soccer players that Americans can name. I actually don't even know who Harry Kane is except for the circle. Yes, he's on the Tottenham Hotspurs. Oh, we like the Hotspurs. Yes. But I thought the story of the Cray brothers was probably a little more interesting than talking about those guys. 
And while Waltham Forest does have a good number of grime musicians, the only notable one from Chingford that I'm aware of is Dirty Goods. I listened to a couple of his tracks from 2016, and I actually really enjoyed them. Coronation had a kind of old school beat. The keyboard sample gives the song a kind of off-kilter urgency. Dirty Goods flow is pretty good. His lyrics are interesting. There's definitely some battle elements and battle influences in a lot of his in a lot of his verses. And the battle lines are actually kind of political sometimes. The song Personal has a different sound, has kind of super fast-paced 32nd and 64th note hi-hat samples from a drum machine. It sounds kind of like an old-school Roland 909 over a bass sequence that, to me, sounded a little RZA-inspired. But I really liked both of those songs. And his 2019 song, though, Brexit, that is really cool. I tweeted that song. I tweeted the YouTube video of that, which is a hilarious video. If you're not familiar with the arguments on either side of Brexit, Dirty Goods does an excellent job summarizing them. It's not clear where he personally stands. Unfortunately, Leave does get two verses compared to one for Remain. In any case. It sounds like Legend is worth watching just based on Tom Hardy's performance. Okay. What the hell else are we doing? We got nothing else going on. We have no other commitments. So I really don't. I think you should check out Dirty Goods and this Brexit video. It is hilarious. Okay, maybe Haley should watch it. Yeah, Haley should definitely watch it. Maybe Nigel Farage should watch it. (laughs) Nigel Farage is featured in it. Is he a featured rapper? No, they have video of him. That would be hilarious. And it is true. The video of him does make Farage look bad. So maybe Dirty Goods is on the Remain side. But it's not totally clear. But you might learn something if you watch that video. And hey, if you're still listening to this, let's face it. You like learning shit. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. Well, that was an excellent deep dive. I didn't see that going that way, but I'm glad it did because I did not know what you were going to talk about for half an hour on Chingford and Waltham Forest. I was expecting more dog graveyards, so that was a pleasant surprise. Honestly, when I started, I had no idea that was where it was going, but it was a cool story. So We should definitely watch the movie. I was reading some uh, reviews, and apparently Tom Hardy is the movie. Yes. He, he's an amazing actor, apparently. I've only seen him in Mad Max, and I don't know how much acting chops were really necessary for that. Just a lot of smoldering. Yes, and sweating. But, uh, but yeah, we, that'll be a fun night to watch a movie because we watch movies all the time. Yeah, right. Exactly. We watch movies so often. So I think it is time for us to get into... Culture shock. Do you have anything for culture shock today? No. Me either. Okay, so that means it's time for the... TNA report. We've got a decent amount today. Well, that's good because I did a bad job on this too, and I don't have any fashion today. Bad job. Bad job for me. That's okay. But I make up for it with that deep dive, right? Totally. Thank you. Totally. Okay. So we've got F positive. F positive. We've got F plus. (laughs) I'm not just sure. I'm F positive. F plus. I just want to give a shout out to Shawnice in the dressing room. When they're getting ready for bed, she just looks lovely and happy, naturally glowing. She has no makeup on. She's taking it all off. And this is right after the Luke T kiss. Yeah. And she's just, she's glowing. She's radiating happiness and she looks beautiful and good for Shawnee's. Oh, I just thought that was a skin treatment or something. Ben, no, she's happy. F minus Mike's Paisley Coward. Mike manages to look bad and do bad in this episode. 
I didn't think the Paisley was that offensive, but again, I understand that my taste is wrong. Maybe a little bit more eccentric sometimes. Maybe more bad. Yeah. It didn't work. Didn't he wear a pineapple cohort early in the season? I like the pineapple one, I think. Yeah, that might have been him. It was either him or Connor with a G. I can't remember. Connor with a G was the watermelon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) I love the whimsy. Okay. Anywho's. F plus Jess's floral bathing suit. When uh, Mike keeps pulling Jess during the daytime at night for the sex position game, Luke M has a gray sweater on. It just fits him really nicely. He looks really sexy. And it's like an, a great boyfriend outfit. You know? The sweater? The sweater, just the way it fits him. Yeah, he looks very sexy boyfriendy. Kind of like a mix of maybe New England prep school and California surfer. Heavier on the surfer. Yeah. It's like surfer went to prep school. It wasn't Fair Isle or anything. It was just a plain gray sweater. It just fit him really nicely. And, you know, I would let him take me to the movies. That's nice. He looks like he smells like polo sport, which for me is very nostalgic and happy. But for other people, I realize that might not be true. Makes 17-year-old me happy. Oh. And then finally, F minus, Shauna has some blue poofy top. You only get a quick glance of it, but it was so ugly that I noticed it. Oh, okay. I think I saw that. It was ugly. And again, Shauna was kind of ugly this episode with her actions. So maybe it just made the shirt look uglier. Possibly. I think that seems to be the theme, right? The bad people wore bad clothes. People aren't bad. They make bad choices. Okay, you're right. Some people are bad, but most people are baseline and they make bad choices. Yes, I don't think that Mike and Shauna are actually bad people. Well, Mike is an anti-vaxxer, so maybe a little bit. And Sean is a conservative, so maybe a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I take that back. They're bad people. Just kidding. Okay. On that note, I think our ratings will reflect those feelings. Oh, are you saying that it's time for what I think it's time for? I don't know. What is it time for? I mean, what do we normally do after the TNA report? Have snacks. No. Before that. Have sex? Before that. Decide if we want to have sex or snacks in what order? What's the priority here? We rank the couples. That's what we do. We rank the couples. I was just trying to see how many wrong answers I could give you before you got annoyed. I was just winding you up. Oh, three. Three was the answer. Three is the magic number. All right. So let's do it. Rank the couples. All right. So should we go top to bottom this week, I think? That's how I like it. Yeah. All right. So. Up at the top, number one. Of course, there is no other choice this episode. It is Shawnice and Luke T. Yeah, they really cemented their sweetheartness, and it was a good moment, and Shawnice is glowing. The real question is how many times they give up this top spot the rest of the way, I think. I think there's a couple people who are going to battle it out for the top spot every week. I mean, Paige and Finn look like a pretty strong contender also, and... Now, who's who's second? Because this is also a dark horse coming in yes. front. Nas and Demi. Yeah, they took the leap. They had their first kiss. Nas finally broke the seal. What? Well, you know. What seal is that? The kissing seal. The tape over his lips. He had I a guess. seal on his lips. His, yeah. his lips were sealed. Yeah. And now he had his smooch. Demi completely loses her mind afterwards. She goes into like hyper giggle mode. And all is well in the kingdom. The sauce has been sauced. The sauce has been sauced. All is well in the kingdom. And coming in at number three... Paige and Finn. They're rock solid and nothing interesting happened to them this episode. So they take a backseat. Yep. 
Yep. At number four, now we have our first solo entry. For this episode. For this episode, yes. We've got Callum, who tried to do the right thing by Sophie, even if his approach was a little bit more abrupt than was effective. He was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Callum is starting to turn out to maybe be a good guy, right? He's starting to show some some real personality. Well, I never thought he was a bad guy, but he is starting to stand up for what he believes in. Yeah, I'm just saying that he was kind of neutral before, hasn't really expressed much of a strong personality either way, has joked around with the guys some, obviously was pretty close with Connor. And it's yeah, I agree. It's good to see him starting to be a little bit more assertive with Shauna. Especially because they were remarking, too. I don't think we mentioned this. They were remarking that he has not been the same since Connor left. He's been pretty muted. Right. And quiet. Yeah. So hopefully this brings out his calamosity again. Yeah. Number five. It's Sophie by herself. Yeah. She she was game with the date with Wallace the other day. So she's trying. She's trying to rebound from a really awful interaction with Shauna. Yeah. I think she handled the whole thing pretty well. She could have escalated things. Yeah. And she chose not to. She could have kicked off. She could have kicked off, but she chose not to. So I liked that decision. Yes. Below Sophie at number six, we've got the new kids on the block, Rebecca and Wallace. Whatever. Whatever. Below them, number seven. Jess and Luke M. Because only they can put out this Mike forest fire and neither of them are doing a good job. They're just letting Mike walk all over them. Yep. And speaking of Mike, coming in at number eight, it's Mike. It's Mike. I think we have gone over... What Why? he has done, yes. To, Mike's mad moves. And this was a little bit of a debate, but eventually we did decide it made sense to throw in at number nine, all the way in the basement, Shauna. Snaky Shauna, because Mike was making his moves for him. Shauna was being mean on purpose. Yeah. Mike was just being self-centered and self-absorbed. Shauna was being mean. Yeah, it was totally unnecessary. Although Mike was mean to Luke M. So I think you can put them both tied at 8th or tied at ninth and have nobody at 8th. So Mike was mean to Luke M. in the context of kind of asserting his dominance over Luke M. when it comes to Jess in pursuit of a girl, which is something we see on Love Island every season. Doesn't make it right or nice. Yeah, it's not nice. It's not particularly a nice thing. And we've got him at number 8, right? Shauna, though... She's not being mean to Sophie in pursuit of a particular guy. She's being mean to Sophie to try to get Sophie to quit and to leave Love Island. And I think that's the kind of behavior that we've seen that. Not the first time we've seen that either. But I think that's the most gross kind of behavior that yeah. we see. Kicking somebody when she's down. Yeah. Like trying to get someone to voluntarily leave is fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave Shauna there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this bad boy up. We got spoils to do. We got spoils of love coming up. So, from Staten Island to Love Island. I'm Carson Daly. I'm a massive tool.